talking about joy. morning it gets me out of bed keeps me running skipping oh jumping just moving into the living room because hey this is great home. that tv like you like you yeah. environment i give you a 10 from one to ten I'm just yeah i'm uh yes just quarantine huddled up <laughs> yeah. do you have do you have roommates mm -mm. no i don't um which is good or bad, because it's a lot of me. It's, I can imagine maybe sometimes it's great, and then sometimes it's kind of tough to... <laughs> yeah, you know, but I have a small pot of people that I, you know, yeah, I do see. And like, there's comes a time when you're like, let's watch a movie, come over, you know, or let's go to the park. Right, or come uh, over, wear your mask by by two hours in, the mask yeah. off, and <laughs> it's absolutely, like... Absolutely, like 15. Yeah, yes. we'll, we'll check your temperatures, that's it. Um, so thank you so much for, for doing this with me. You know, what I, what I've really experienced in this process is some people like you that I admire, that I appreciate and that I've met, you know, um, uh, kind of in, in the periphery, but I've, I've just always appreciated, uh, really gets, gives me an opportunity to connect. And I feel like that's what we get to source in the world. And that's as artists, as entertainers, we get to um, kind of inspire our society out of this. Hmm. So you look great. Oh, thank you. Well, you yeah. know, it's one thing I do do is work out. You know? Okay. <laughs> do that. Because if I didn't, a year by myself, just eating, I would roll out of my front door. Yeah. I would, <laughs> would not be pretty. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful that I have firewood to chop because that's my workout. But we have a we have an outdoor gym. Like we just just you know we look at it. It's pretty every day. <laughs> but we're committed. We're we're gonna take committed action now. Um, so thank you so much for coming on and doing this. You know, I, I shared with you the vision for it and kind of where I've been as an actor, as a director, as 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 a person post you know, some success, um, I've realized in the past year to two years that there's something else out there for me. And, uh, you know, speaking, transformational men mentorship, um, definitely going to be acting when I'm asked to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm in this place of kind of discovering, taking off the actor mask, you know, mm -hmm. and then showing up with my life experience. So that's what we're going to talk to today and, and <clears throat> talk through today and really imagining. And I, I was watching some of your interviews and some of your, your oh, videos, yeah. you bring so much joy to the table. And I think so many people, you know, even one of the last ones I was listening to this morning, um, you know, you said somebody came to your table and said, you know, you got us through a really hard holiday season. Uh, yes. And one thing, and I've got a list of questions, but we'll, we'll get to those. But one thing that that I really love about hearing another entertainer saying that is I was doing an off-Broadway show one time and one of my co-stars said, it's not like we're saving lives. And I turned literally in an instant and said, 
then you're not doing it for the right reasons. <laughs> you know, because, because we do, we do save lives. I've literally had people come up to me and say, I'll never do that again because of the mirror you held up to me. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Maybe that experience or other experience where uh, you know that you've had an effect of joy, of, of inspiration, influence in people's lives. Um, yeah, it's kind of uh, funny when you get a little older and um, people come to you and it's kind of tough when you hear it the first time of, you know, I saw you and you were inspiration. I'm like, I'm too young to be an inspiration. You know, come back to me with that in 10 years. <laughs> um, I'm not ready to hear that. But um, no, it's really great. And especially when it comes to theater and Broadway, because, you know, there aren't, you know, a lot of black featured performers on Broadway. And, um, you know, to be growing up or, you know, to be an African-American or a person of color going to some musical theater school in Ohio where, you know, you're the only black person mm -hmm. and um, you only see shows that have all white people in it. To see um, performers of color and people like me um, on stage killing it, um, it really resonates. And I, um, I am, uh, you know, I'm very proud of that now. The first time it was tough to hear you're my inspiration. Now I'm like, oh, thank you, you know? Yeah. And if they're similar to my type or my size, I'm like, that's great. But, you know, you don't need to be in the business, you know, <laughs> if they're going to be my competition. <laughs> you know, you're a little too handsome, you know, maybe think about that. But no, no, it's always really great. Yeah. Um, you know, there's going to that, going to that conversation since we're there and I, don't, I won't need to um, abridge or, or, or segue, you know, uh, one of the questions is there's there's a, a young kid, a boy, a girl, a they that are in the world right now um, that have heard your voice as Lewis the Alligator have 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 looked probably into who you are. Um, and I know that something that keeps me going is, especially if I'm directing something, is there's somebody that I'm going to affect. Who is that? What is that audience? Um, is that something that comes to your mind? And who is that person? Is it a consistent person? Um, well, when it comes to animation, and I mean, I really try to do my best, to bring my best and to bring it all um, when I work, especially in animation and cartoons. But there is a sense of, I, you know, especially doing Lewis, I have to kill Lewis every time I step into the studio these days. Yeah because he resonates with a lot of people. And um, uh, it's, um, you know, I'm really proud of that character. Um, and as far as animation and cartoons go, you know, being a Disney character is like the brass ring. Yeah. Um, and uh, to tell you the truth, I feel like a kid, you know, the first time, Lewis walks around in the theme parks. Uh -huh. um, and uh, the first time <laughs> you I saw Lewis, oh my god a surreal experience. And it was really funny because I was there and um, they were bringing him out because he was going to be in a parade, but they were going to bring him to show me in um, an in offsite, you know, by the Hall of Presidents or something. And I'm there waiting and he comes in the door and I'm as excited to see Lewis <laughs> as the person as Lewis is to see me. Yeah. So it's a very real parallel dimensional thing as we're both freaking out. Wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, I love that. So I it's very... That. It's important um, 
for me to deliver every time I get behind the mic. And that's pretty easy because I love, love, love Lewis. Yeah. And and it's so it's so second nature to you. Now, has it has it always been second nature to you? I, I let's go back to uh, you as the age of five. Okay. <laughs> well, so let's 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 talk about uh, when you knew that you were going to be an entertainer. What did five year old uh, Michael look like? Can you take, um, paint that picture for me? Well, it all started um, with the piano. Um, uh, I never thought acting and singing, you know, were going to be a part of my program. Um, uh, my neighbors had a piano. We didn't. And it's, I think after church, sometimes I would go and play on their piano. And um, I think as, um, as I would say, like I was playing on the piano and my um uh, the neighbor said, you know, Mrs. Woolley, Michael has some real aptitude for the piano. I think you should get him lessons. But my mother tells that the neighbors were like, you need to get your job and stop <laughs> banging on our piano. Maybe you need to get him one. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we got a piano. I was about five years old and I started piano lessons and um, studied for um, 12 years. And I was really classically based and, you know, real technically approached to piano. Um, and then I thought I wanted to be a concert pianist. Um, I played a lot of classical music and that's where it all started artistically um, for me. Uh, and especially as a real uh, venue emotionally, you know, I found if I was feeling sad or bad or something, I could play the piano and feel better. Um, one of the grateful things I have about this place is that I have a grand piano. Um, oh yeah, I see it back there. Oh yeah. Yeah, which is, um, I found it on Craigslist. It's not okay. all that. I mean, it's, I found it for kind of cheap. So. One of the things I really appreciate about Michael here, especially in this exchange, is the relationship he has with his environment. He brings so much joy to an environment and it is evident that his environment is a reflection of who he is. So here you see him smiling and enjoy giving himself the gift of his creativity and his music and that is also the gift of his generosity to the world and sometimes we'll just go in there and, and do our version of karaoke and his brother plays so when we go to wisconsin we'll sit around and we do this thing on the holidays called um white winos and whalers and so we sing all the holiday songs we drink a lot of wine and then every song ends the same epic every single song <laughs> has the louder you are the more damage you do to your voice the better <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah you, know, you can tell when i've had a party here because the next day i answer the phone like hello <laughs> yes no i'm fine i had a party last night you know yeah that's a good party that is a good party um uh so so let's stay on the 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 young you like so mm -hmm. you painted a really good i just can see you playing the piano that be, that went into your heart as a truth right away right yes. like that was something you connected to something that gave you solace and then your parents uh gave you uh lessons or supported you in getting lessons mm -hmm. uh what was your relationship with your family you have brothers and sisters and you know and what do they do well yeah actually i have a twin brother okay. um uh, and he's a real uh he was a real athlete growing up 
and I played sports as well, but you know, he was like, you know, the star football player and, um, uh, and he's a computer programmer now and we are completely different and he's a bit, you know, shy. Um, yeah, we are just complete opposites. I will say the funny thing is as a computer programmer and on computers, he is as adept at the keyboard of a keyboard as I am as a keyboard of a piano. Um, but uh, yes, but I, you know, my parents equally loved going to see his football play football games. And uh, they came to my um, recitals as well. You know, I was usually the last one, you know, they go from the little kids and on up mm -hmm. and I would usually be around the end and uh, try to play something to, you know, my teacher would like me to play to impress. And um, yeah, my parents always loved that. And uh, I think my mother also loved to listen to me play the piano doing dishes. <laughs> I'm sure. So yeah, uh, they were inspiration. So so playing the piano, attempting to play sports, I, I, I would, they put me in the center field and I would just pick flowers and do cartwheels and, you know, things. Um, but uh, I found uh, cross country as, as my sport, you know, and, and, and martial arts. So I did, I was a black belt in Kimishinru and those were the independent sports. I felt really comfortable in that. But yeah, I was, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so the piano, that was a practice that you reached into, that reached into you and then carried you through high school. What was high school uh, like for you? Uh, high school was, um, you know, you know, I always had its ups and downs, but I really was stuck to music and arts. I actually um, was accepted into the Duke Ellington School of the Arts which is like, you know, the fame high school. Yeah. Um, and I think it was really modeled after that, you know, there's one in New York, but I got accepted to that for piano and just for piano. And at that time you couldn't go changing around and doing dance and um, acting. You just kind of were in one lane and uh, that's not what I wanted. Um, I will say uh, one of the things that kind of changed things was playing, I was asked to play the in the pit, be a pit musician oh. for 1776 at a community theater production. And, um, and uh, I would, you know, play, you know, the music that was there. And then when I wasn't playing, I would be looking up through the um, orchestra hole at the actors on stage. And I really decided I'd, um, I'd rather be up there in the light than down here in the dark. Mm -hmm. And, um, that made me start to, hmm, you know, what if I audition for a play? And so that began. Wow. And, uh, and also singing also began too, playing the piano and I'd sing too. So I was more a singer, piano player mm -hmm. um, in church, you know, occasionally. Um, but yes, I will say artistically wise that it was the piano um, that was my, tunnel my vessel to be artistic um to just to do my artistic work and this is just my belief that the piano having instilled that tunnel of yeah. emoting and being an actor once that was built i i had it in place to be a singer it's mm -hmm. the same part of me and yeah. as an actor it's the same part you yeah. know and i feel you know if you started one thing dancing and you figured that out you can, it's the same part as when, when you lead to acting and singing and uh, even writing and everything. 
Um, Absolutely. And, and that's similar to, I mean, Nina Simone has a very similar story and Tori, um, Tori Amos has a very similar story that piano was their grounding and then uh, they moved into to vocalization, um, which I think is extraordinary. And it really speaks to, to knowing, and the reason why I ask in that part of our lives, because that's where, for the most part, if we're really honest with ourselves, that's where our purpose is kind of born, our, our seed, the truth inside of us um, that kind of leads, leads us or hints us toward our dreams, our purpose. Um, and we can be paralyzed or petrified by that um, or, and, or we can move through it and become that, that thing that we know we are to be. When you looked up on that stage and you saw, that's where I want to be, you listened to that and you said, you accepted that invitation, um, right? Yes. And it was a real challenge. You know, you have to realize I am six foot four now, so, you know, six foot three. I always believe my higher power is a huge sense of humor because he gave me these extraordinary gifts in musical theater and put them in the body of a New York Giants football player, linebacker. Um, but uh, yeah, that was tough. It was, there weren't many roles for me to do. I was just telling someone last night about him um, playing Judge Thatcher in Oklahoma with my seven lines, you know? So I wanted to be an actor, but there wasn't a lot of opportunity for me. Yeah, I can imagine. Speaking of, okay, so great. So that's actually another question. What do you think, where are we now um, in Hollywood with the, the story around uh, the, the African-American story, the black story? Um, where are we, what, what, what do you feel grateful for and what, what still gets to change? What still gets to transform? <laughs> That's probably a very loaded question. But. Uh, no, I think um, there is change happening um, uh, and I'm grateful for it. I love the fact that um, that the dialogue is different than it was years ago. I mean, like I'm no longer asked to, you know, this needs to be urban or street or more ethnic, more ethnic. You need to be more ethnic. I loved your um, story about Barry White. <laughs> oh, yes, uh, yes. Uh, and uh, that's right. I forgot about, forget about that story. People usually remind me of it <laughs> it is funny. But uh, yes, should I tell that? Should I tell you? Sure, yeah. Um, I was I was in New York at the time. Gosh, this was 20 years ago. Um, and I got asked to do a demo for um, Amco, okay. uh, Amco, a gas company. And it was just a demo for a commercial. And I got the call and I showed up. And um, uh, I was waiting and this woman comes out and says, um, Michael, it's very simple. We just need you to say four lines. Um, Amco for the love, but we need you to be very white. And I was like, okay. So um, <laughs> I go in the booth and I put the headphones on and they show the commercial and the words come up on the screen. And I go, Amco for the love. And it's silence. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy in the booth. And um, they say, come on, you can do better than that. And I go, okay, take two. They show the commercial, the words come up. And I go, Amco for the love. And now I see the Amco people getting pissed and the advertising people getting pissed. And she comes back on and she says, um, what are you doing? You could do better than that. And I said, I, I, I'm sorry, I just don't know how to be very white. And she goes, no, no, no. I said, very white. And um, yes which led to us not being able to work for 15, 20 minutes because everyone was all 
And then um, I, we got ourselves together and I went back and one more take and I said, Amco for the love. There it is. We were done. Everybody's and, buying Amco after that. Yes. Oh, such a great story. And what struck me about that story was, you know, first of all, how it must have felt in the moment. And was there resistance, which I'm sure there was, um, or uh, was it like, okay, well, that's kind of where these people are coming from. That's, I'm just going to go for it. Um, it was just kind of like, okay. I mean, I'm sure you can relate. We've all been in situations in the audition room when already we're there kind of to get the job, mm -hmm. you know, to yeah. please. And someone tells you to do something ridiculous. And I think we all kind of go, okay, yeah, um, here you go, you know? Yeah. And we leave and be like, that shit's crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just kind of was like, okay. Um, yeah, there's, um, I will tell you, I think the worst of that, um, there was a pilot I was up for, uh, boldly going nowhere. Ooh, this is a little salacious. I don't know if I can cuss, but- um, Yeah, do it, do it. I think do it. I already did. Um, uh, <laughs> it was a like a take on Star Trek. Okay. Um, but a comedy wise, kind of like Orville. Is. Oh yeah. But this was 15 years ago. And it was a it was in for this character like Worf from the head of security. Um and um I had this scene, oh gosh, where Worf and this character is like gets caught uh, jerking off in a holodeck or a hollow suite. Okay. And I had, my first lines were, um, when someone is in the holodeck training himself, he needs to be able to finish his training. And they were like, mm, it's good, but he's, you know, a little more urban. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, when someone's in the holodeck <laughs> training himself, he needs to be able to finish his training. And they're like, he's even more street. And it just got, I was literally like, when someone is up in a holodeck training himself, <laughs> You know, and it was literally absurd. Um, yeah, I had a line that was, um, um, this is where we keep the perpetrators on the ship, showing someone in jail. And it gotten to, this is where we be keeping the perpetrators who be perpetrating their perpetrations up in this mother runner. Um, hence, I was pinned for it and uh, didn't get it. <laughs> so. Uh, well, you know, yeah. I mean, those moments where we're put, we feel like we're put on the spot. Yeah. And, and you know you, what you said about we already want the job um and then our interpretation we've already convinced ourselves out of the question in our rehearsal in our prep to not consider what they want right bring to the table what you offer and be yeah. that gift right that's really important and then somebody some somebody comes in and says be an orange and you're you don't know how to how to deal with that you know yeah. you don't know how to respond to that so so you just try to confidently and what i what i experience with you is is confidently you know attempting to understand uh, uh, to communicate effectively um to not take things personally which is you know a big lesson i learned in high school right away yeah. so grateful for my high school theater teacher for teaching me that um, not taking things personally. And, and what if I say that, what does that mean to you? Can, does it bring you? Uh, well, up? one of the greatest lessons I had in, um, and I went to AMDA, the American Musical Dramatic Academy in New York, which yeah. I was a scholarship student to, um, 
but then I wasn't asked back for the second year. Okay. Um, but of course, you know, I was a, a little bit of a mess and I was a little arrogant back then. But I remember a teacher, my acting teacher, uh, Elizabeth Browning saying, um, um, no criticism, no matter what any criticism get, it doesn't affect your talent or your intelligence. And um, I've always carried that around with me. Mm. You know, listen, we get notes. That's part of our job is getting notes and taking direction, especially on days we're working. That's, that's yeah. all we do. And um, to be able to take notes and take direction, I think um, I'm really proud that I'm able to do that. Because mm. I don't know you about you, but there's one pet peeve I have is hearing people getting notes and not like, well, you know what I was trying to do was, you know, well, you know, I didn't really mean to do that. I'm like, just shut well, up. Let me explain what I was doing so that you, my director, might understand. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm just like, take the note and let's keep going. Just um, say, okay. And if there's questions, come up after or yeah. figure it out yeah. or, you know, totally. Yeah. And, and feedback is such. And so what I love one of the things about this show in particular is, is, and what I do as a, as a, as a teacher and mentor is I take the life of an actor. I take the, the script structure, scene study um, component, the humanity that we bring to the table in the script. And, and I, I say that how you show up in that scene, how you show up in that audition is how you show up everywhere. And so yes. whatever feedback, whatever you're gaining from that experience, you can also stretch and, and gain outside of your life. So to those who, who are not necessarily actors or directors or even in the entertainment business, but people that want to listen to their creativity um, and, 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 and on the topic of feedback might be one of the things that holds people back is I don't, I have a fear of being wrong. I have a fear of, of not getting it right. Um, fear of judgment, fear of criticism. What can you say to that uh, to people that, that are kind of like beginning to listen to their, their inner truth? Um, well, I think one of the, one of the things about being an artist, what we do is expose ourselves and especially the most vulnerable parts of ourselves. And it doesn't matter singing, acting, dancing, painting, writing. It doesn't matter. It's all the art of opening yourself up. And um, I have to say, first and foremost, if you're not prepared to do that, and if you kind of don't find any sick joy in doing that, right. you know, it might not be for you. Yeah. Um, and secondly, I really have to say, I think it makes me feel bad about some people coming in today that might be missing this, um, that there is a lot of hard work that goes into being really good at what you do, you know? Um, I'm sure you, like me, you know, there was no shortcut in our, you know, our studying in our years of, you know, climbing that ladder and getting better at auditions. And, you know, there was no, there, there was no shortcut in the way that I'm able to walk into a room to show my wares today yeah. that um, it's because of many years of my work. And by the way, I still study, you know, I was in acting class last night, you know. Yeah. Um, and I still work on my craft. And when I get a job or a show, um, that's when, you know, even more work begins then, mm -hmm. you know. 
your preparation, your 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 backstory, your oh my your exploration, the invisible work. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. All that work is so, you know, um, oh, I got, you know, uh, I was remember being in a commercial audition. I actually got kind of mad at this guy who showed up and you had to wear a jacket to the audition. He's like, well, I don't, does anyone have a jacket I can borrow? You know, and I was just like, you know, I'm going to have to hold my script because I just got this and I didn't look at it. You know, I, I, I kind of go, what are you doing here? Yeah. You know, what? Also, you have to look at opportunities like to go into a room as an, an opportunity to do your stuff. You know, it's your, it might be the only opportunity you have, even on yeah. a self-tape, to do your best acting for the week. Yeah. And that's yeah. a job unto itself. It's an opportunity to tell a story, to be a storyteller. And, Absolutely. and it's, 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 it is 100% your opportunity. And I think that, you know, feedback and rejection and failure i mean how many times we 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 hold our hearts to the flame and just go in and give and give and give and we don't get the role or you know it's 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 things that are so outside of our control um and that's where i rely on vision i rely on mission statement and vision because i don't necessarily know the mechanic that's going to get me to the next place i do know the vision you know, um, when I did Embrace the Serpent, it was the vision of traveling the world, the vision of working with indigenous cultures, you know, and, and, and that experience, I couldn't have mapped that out. And when we know what we want, when we know what we want and we have the, courageous, uh, the courage to say to the universe, to our friends, to our support group, I want this and it's specific, then you get to have it. And that and deserving is not it's not in my vocabulary. Um, it's 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 it, uh, entitled to something is not in my vocabulary. I really try to move myself out of that. Um, I get to have it in terms of feedback, specifically feedback. Feedback is everywhere. Feedback is in our environment. Feedback is mm -hmm. in our relationships. Um, you, what would you say to someone that? Uh, limits their actions, limits their dreams, limits their pursuit of something in fear of ridicule or fear of criticism. And I'm not just talking about entertainment because there's there's mm -hmm. certainly a far stretcher, you need to stretch even further to do that. But in life, I wanna do this, I wanna garden, I wanna sit yeah. at the bar or whatever. Well, the worst type of feedback is, I think the negative feedback that we can give ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, I think innately, you know, and I, I can do it too. I think we, as human beings, um, well, I'm just talking about myself. I can sometimes have a, um, I have a unique ability, ability to catastrophize okay. things. Yes. And in my head, you know, yes. I probably as a creative person, I yes. can think the worst through and finish out the story with the worst possible ending. Mm -hmm. And um, the truth is it's never that way, never. you know, and, um, I can walk out of a room after audition and like, oh, that was horrible. And they, they just hate me. And, you know, truth is, you know, they, you know, they, they loved me, but, you know, needed someone shorter, <laughs> you know? Um, but so for me, I have to really, and I think everyone has to tackle the voices that go on, on in our head that are, you know, can have their own fear of success, fear of failure, um, and um, just a negative, negative thoughts we can bring uh, to ourselves. Have to be careful of that. 
Yeah. It can completely take you down the mountain. Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 the the question really is because we can we can hold blame or shame on ourselves for those negative statements, but really what we get to ask is where does that come from? You know, it, it comes from someplace that you're not like you're responsible for it now, but you're it comes from someplace someone told you at some point this lie that you've believed about yourself that you're not good enough that you're you know whatever that is. And it begins to petrify your action, right? It begins to petrify your, your inner truth. And what's once we acknowledge, oh, you know, when I was in first, second, third, fourth grade, you know, there was every single year I got in trouble for something major and I had no idea why I got in trouble. So what that created in me was not only a need to be liked, right, which is not always good. Um, but it also created in me, um, let me go above and beyond so that everybody, and I wasn't rebellious. It was, it was the opposite. It was, I'm going to go above and beyond and nobody can say anything bad about me. I'm going to prove myself. And that got me to where I am. But it's also detrimental if I don't keep it in check, because sometimes being liked isn't the isn't going to get you to that next place. It's not, not you're not there's something bigger that we get to stand for you know? yes you know tackling um insecurities and um low self-worth i mean i think a lot of artists we struggle with that and um and i was much heavier i'm you know i was 100 pounds heavier than i am right now i was huge and um which really messed with my self-worth and my self-esteem even in the <laughs> midst of you know being really talented um yeah, I had to, it took me a while to get over that and wrap my mind around that. And to love every part of myself. <coughs> Should I do 23 and a half hours out of the day? Awesome. You, you have to, that self-love, that self-care. And what, yeah. what, what right now is moving you um, to be an activist, to, to be a voice for those uh, who don't have as amazing of a voice as you do? Um, well, I, you know, I am you know it's weird they call me an advocate for the homeless and i am uh, an activist and um it, it was something that i didn't go looking for it it wasn't that something i sought out to be and it came from a actually a bad experience um the closest person in my life my best friend you know 25 years died of a brain tumor um and it was really horrible and really ugly and um it really shook me uh and uh, yeah, having to be by his bedside and things like that. And he was in New York, I was in LA. I was like flying back and forth, leaving a studio headed to an airplane. Um, but after he had passed, um, I was just kind of, you know, funky for a few months afterwards. And my friend John was an advocate for the homeless. And it was my therapist who suggested, well, since John was an advocate for the homeless, why don't you, um, look into that. And I sent an email out. I Googled advocate and homeless and hope of the Valley came up at an organization that works with the homeless. And I sent them an email and I said, I'd like to volunteer. And, um, they said, sure, come help serve lunch. We serve lunch every day. Um, and I went and I started serving lunches there. And I really was so impressed with this organization and their work with the homeless and Ken Kraft the president of it, um, I was just enamored by the work they did. And um, I just became 
an advocate and slowly but surely um at one point they were i was asking them what they do for fundraisers and uh oh they said oh a guy came he was in the ensemble of mama mia and he sang a bunch of songs it was great and i was like let me help you out <laughs> and, uh, i got you so i um you know i told him then that i you know did broadway and things like that and i put together, I called my friends out in LA now who used to be on Broadway. And um, I said, let's put on a show and raise some money at the Federal. Um, yeah. I think where I met you at. That's where I, we met, yeah. And um, I did a, put a show that I hosted called Broadway to the Rescue. And we raised $3,000 that night. And um, fast forward to uh, now, Broadway to the Rescue has raised uh, over $150,000. And I became on the board of the mission of, um, Hope of the Valley. Uh, and um, yeah, so I'm an advocate for the homeless and um, a lot of ways see myself um, uh, through them. And oh with my them, gosh, I mean, no. you just, and I really want everybody to hear what you just e expressed. I really want people just to go, I was in a dark place. I looked out to, to serve and it became this lotus flower. It, it, it became something that now gives me purpose, gives me life. It gives me um, a reason. <clears throat> and it's a way to use your talents, a way to use your voice. So that darkness that we sometimes feel like we're in, knowing that there's always possibility. And if we don't know, go out and serve, go out and volunteer, go out and, and yes. give. Service is good. And I truly, you have to get off your couch to be of service. There's that too. Yeah. You have to get off your couch. Um, but yeah. I, and I will say on a, you know, personally, Broadway the Rescue does a lot of good. We raise money and people come to our shows and they are full and their spirits are full. Mm -hmm. And the performers in the show get out of it. And we also, all our ensembles are young people in show business. And it's their first big credit being, you know, you know, they list my name on their resume as their director. I'm honored. Yeah. And some yeah. of them are on Broadway. Um, but you know, I'm a better person when I'm working on that show and working directly on something. Um, that rest of my hours in the day, I'm just better. Yeah, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so true. Um, so, so where? So now, now you're you're in this place, experiencing COVID, like everyone. Um, what are you creating now? What is your? Uh, what are you creating? Well, um, I'm still doing uh, my voiceover work, which I'm so grateful for. Um, um, so I do promos and I did a cartoon today, this morning where I got to sing a song. It's like the first time I sang a song in months. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, Trolls, Trollstopia. Um, yeah. It's a cartoon series uh, based on the movie. And um, so I'm able to do that. And I think like a lot of people, I found myself a little dry because I, you know, not really acting, not doing things creative. The piano though, it's across the room, felt really far away from my couch when I was watching Judge Judy. And I had an idea for something for years to write a, uh, a screenplay, a funny idea that I had. And um, I finally ended up writing it and I'd never written anything before um, and uh, took a class and um, wrote the script which I started in January and I let it sit but then through the pandemic I am um, I finished it 
And um, it's, you know, it's pretty good. It's out making the rounds with my manager and my entertainment lawyer. Awesome. It's um, garnered some awards and um, some acclaim and some competitions. I am very proud of it. And so now I'm actually a third of the way through my second script, um, another screenplay. And uh, so that has really fed me. Um, once again, I am better when I'm busy. Uh, so uh, that's been a really, you know, I don't think it would have happened if it wasn't for quarantine. So, yeah. you know, I'm grateful. That's, we're given permission to look at ourselves. We're given permission to stop for a second. And if there's something about compartment of your life, an element of your life that you don't like, you get to look at it. And, uh, you know, and, and I would love to encourage people. And it's one of the missions through this is, is that to, to, to know that anything and everything is possible. And, and, and that, that if, if, if you look at your environment right now and you go, this isn't working for me, there is a way out. There is a step you can take to be courageous in taking that step. Just like you took the step with the screenplay, just like you took the step uh, to go and be an uh, advocate uh, and, and support uh, the, the homeless. Like there is a step you can take that is not about you that's that's going to get you out of that. Um, but I think of of this of people that are that that battle depression, that battle um, domestic abuse, um, you know, that they feel lost. And I think it's really important that 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 we get to have the courage to look, acknowledge, or have an awareness of ourselves and say, this isn't working and out. And right now is a perfect time to do that. Yes. And um, I will say there is a part of my journey that, um, you know, I will share that I'm uh, uh, sober and uh, I uh, am no longer on, I know I haven't had a drink or a drug in over 16 years. Um, and that was um, one of the biggest, what, uh, the biggest, toughest choices I've made. Um, and I'm so grateful for it now because one, if I, had been using the, like the way I was using and given a year <laughs> with nowhere to be. First, I'd already be broke. And secondly, this apartment would have scotch bottles and Coke vials, you know, and who knows what else in it. And I'd be sitting here 150 pounds heavier. And um, so, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. And I have to say, when it comes to um, cleaning up your act, I'll say, um, I feel that the part of me that is artistic and creative, when I got sober, kind of said to me, um, great, now I can do all the things I've wanted to do with you, um, but I wasn't able to because you were drinking and drugging. Mm -hmm. But now that you've done this, I've got things I want to do with you. Um, and hence, you know, like writing that screenplay, I don't think I would have ever done it. Um, and uh, having my career, or, you know, what, what career it is, you know, uh, I'm full of gratitude. What, and, and what was the what was the moment where you said, I, "I I get to be responsible here"? What was the moment that shifted you? That oh, where I get to where, where you, I learned where you said, "Be I'm going to be sober. <laughs> I'm going to love myself." Well, it you know it wasn't pretty, <laughs> um, and I you know I was sure I was doing. Uh, a show on Broadway at the time, um, A Little Shop of Horrors. I was the uh, voice of that man-eating plant. Plant. 
feed me, feed yeah. me, Seymour. Um, and um, after a night of drinking and partying, uh, I mean, all night, mm -hmm. I showed up at the theater with no sleep. And I had done it, I mean, I had partied a lot. You know, it was a cushy job where I just had to go really sing. Yeah. And I had a booth backstage with microphones and monitors. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this one night I came to work in the first act, went like it always did. And then uh, this, and then I had a bright idea to take a nap on the floor of my booth um, um, on the stage. And uh, let's put it this way, the orchestra started for the second act and I was still out. And it came time for my, for the plant to sing the song Supper Time. The plant by this point, you know, on Broadway was huge, this $2 million plant that was in the second act, it's the size of a Volkswagen on hydraulic lifts. And that plant reared up 10 feet in the air to sing and it opened its mouth. And I think all the audience heard was <laughs> and uh, stage management had to come and wake me up. And I, I missed like the first line or two. I'm not sure, but it was horrible, horrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, missing, you know, it's a horrible feeling. Um, uh, not to say that you, this happened to you. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I ever have. And, and, and it, it's just one of my, things before you know i mean I, i've done a great many other things that you know that that shook me up right yeah um but yeah you know being being there has always been you know i'm present with the entire experience oh. you know um I'm, I'm not you know i'm just saying that that's just that hasn't been my experience no it's all right um, before. i fucked up before you know what yeah. i mean yeah. and it's a bad feeling when you leave someone hanging or you know I, you know, I'm talking in the wings of someone and, oh, there's my entrance, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you go running out on stage. Well, but yeah, but, huh? Doing show after show after show. I've never done, you know, a Broadway show where it's, you know, like, yeah. you know, that's your job for the year, two years, that's five right. years. My friend is the, is the Mary Sunshine in Chicago and, and he's been doing that for 16 years, mm. you know. Um, but I, but I can imagine how that would get, you know, so kind of second nature that you're like, oh, I don't need to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sleep, you know, in intermission. <laughs> yeah, and it was actually, it was looked on as a missed cue. Um, and that happens, a missed cue sometimes. It's maybe the one of the worst missed cues ever, but um, I didn't get, I, I got written up. And um, I'd never been written up before since, uh, but I remember walking home going, uh, damn, you know, mm. you really, you know, need to, that began the ball rolling. And it was about, it took still even a few months later for me to end up in uh, rehab. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That so, was, you, know, when, you know, and you, there's, there's something called like the four levels of responsibility, right? One is just, I don't take responsibility and it's everybody else's fault too is, and, and, you know, there's spiritual bypass, there's, I don't need to get involved in the 3D world, blah, blah, blah. And then there's, you know, the second level where I acknowledge it, but I'm just not going to do anything about it. And then three, which is I acknowledge it, I'm going to start taking steps to do something. Uh, and you start making a, a shift where you are responsible. And then the fourth is, is your, you understand how you're responsible for everything that happens to you, everything that happens in the world, part of you as source for that. Um, and when we acknowledge that that's where our growth is, that's how we grow. Um, sometimes it takes us hitting that rock bottom. Sometimes it takes us, um, I, I feel like I'm 
I've hit rock bottom in some ways, uh, you know, but I, I, I don't, I can't remember ever, uh, you know, like feeling, you know, in a way that I just didn't know, like I didn't like complete despondency, apathy, et cetera. Um, but now it's, it's like, I can acknowledge, I can understand that I'm responsible and make a change and there's no guilt. There's no shame around that experience. And that, in fact, it's such a beautiful blessing, you know, that, that, that came to you. The shorthand of it for me is adulting. And um, there comes a point, you know, gotta be an adult. Yeah. And sometimes as artists, I think, you know, we're children. We're still like, even as actors, we're playing in the sandbox. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that's, that's what we do for a living. Even on set, we're going to play in somebody's sandbox. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so, it, you know, thinking your life is about playing in the sandbox, but, you know, remembering you still have bills to pay and rent to pay and places to show up and things to do. Um, back in my mind, for years, I was like, no, I'm in the sandbox and that stuff will be taken care of eventually, right. you know, by a final notice. By the safe manager. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. That's other people. Yes, by that. You know, your agent calls them, um, you haven't paid up for SAG, you know. Oh, and, um, you're yeah. like, oh that one pops um, up. <laughs> yes, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so um, yeah, that happens. And um <laughs> yes. yeah, that happened once to me. It, it was literally, I think it was right before I booked uh uh Castle Rock and they were no, it was Narcos because they were trying to get me to fly to Mexico and and it, I thought it was paid up. I thought my passport was done. I was dry. I was figuring out, like I ended up paying like $500 to get my passport in like two weeks. Um, so, so yeah, just preparation, you know, and, and, and being in vision and preparation. Uh, yes. And being a grown up. Yeah. Grown -up. And yeah. allowing yourself to be a child. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay, this yeah. is my playtime. <laughs> yes. And even working as an actor, I found, especially, you know, that, that um, Netflix show I did. Um, AJ my, and the Queen. AJ uh, and the Queen. I, I definitely want to talk to you about that. Uh, your, your performance of Joy to the World. Oh, so <laughs> good. Thank you. That so was a, beautiful. That was a lot of fun. Um, but to do, um, that job was really, really hard. And it was a real job because, um, um, playing blind yeah. was, you know, I, I I had to do it and honor it in a way that was, you know, I didn't want to um, just just um, ham it up and just do it. Um, so that was work every episode to figure out how I was going to do stuff and not to mention memorizing lines and not to mention just blocking and blind and how do I pull off every scene um, and also be funny as hell. Um, so it was like a tall order going into work every day. And me being a grown up was here, you know, working with props. I have, you know, I had blind canes and heels and all sorts of things. That was my grown up work I had to do so I can get to the set and play in my sandbox, um, which made it a lot easier. Yeah. So you to to prepare for that, and and by the way, I think RuPaul is one of the most inspiring inspiring figures in our. She's just everything, uh, everything, oh and I'll tell you, and everything, and I'm wondering, you know, my gosh, how I was excited when I'm, you know, um, 
Michael Patrick King says, you created this role for me. I'm like, mm. you were like writing, oh, a blind diabetic drag queen, Michael Leon Woolley, you know, <laughs> thanks. Um, but uh, when finding out that I was, you know, playing RuPaul's best friend was, you know, you know, fantastic. And RuPaul is great and everything. And I, you know, love, 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 love. Um, and even a real, I have to say um, to for RuPaul's show, to give me that moment at the season finale of that Joy to the World song um, is a real testament to Rue too, because a lot of people starring in a show wouldn't, you know, oh yeah, let's give um, number three on the call sheet, the big number in the season finale of my show. Yeah. It shows a lot of, um, you know, Rue's She great. has always, represented generosity. I was watching a Arsenio Hall from a long time ago interview with her. I've nice. been on this interview kick. I, I fell in love with Joan Rivers again and um, uh, or found an appreciation for her because I'd never really had an appreciation for her as much as I, I do now. But I came across this RuPaul interview with um, Arsenio Hall and generosity in her interview with Oprah. And it just, it really like, there's there's figures in the world and i i get this from you 100 is is i'm not going and this is really a message for for our audience is i'm not going to be the victim to a circumstance um i think lewis definitely exuded that too so your essence is lewis for sure <laughs> right uh yeah, and, oh, yeah, and i have to say um one thing uh, a few days, no, this is a few weeks before we started shooting. I went to go see a movie, which I'm not going to say. Okay. And there was an actor in it who had to play somebody with, I think, Tourette syndrome, you know. And I remember when he came on the screen, it was so um, phoned in and just like, it looked like he thought about it like right before action. And it was really, you know, I was like, what is he doing? And I left the theater. And there were three guys I knew um, uh, from Broadway, you know, one from Broadway the Rescue. They're not in the business at all. And I asked them, what do you think of the movie? They were like, great. And I said, what did you think of so-and-so? And they were like, he was horrible. And I remember walking home that night going, I cannot phone this in mm. playing this blind character. And um, I began to do some research and I, I called my friend Rena, but I began to work with Christina Jones and okay. she's blind, she's an opera singer. And she, you know, led me through everything. And uh, we're dear friends now. She taught me everything, even putting on makeup, you know, I had her do, it was one of the first things. Um, and I found her to be fearless. And um, which gave me the idea, you know what, Lewis needs to be fearless as well. Um, and uh, that's one thing I chose to bring to this character. Lewis can do anything. Lewis, Lewis can do more than me. It, it was such an inspiration. I mean, in, inspiring, I mean, that's that's what you want to do. You want to, you know, that's what we do, you know, in, inspire people and your, your essence, when we talk about essence is, is that I can do anything and that I'm not going to be the victim to my circumstances. I am going to lead with love. Um, and I think, you know, what you're talking about RuPaul, giving you or allowing you know Lewis to have that that season finale number she's a mother you know she's 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 a mother to 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 a great many uh influential figures now um I saw AOC was on uh drag race uh I don't know like I don't know when it was a couple years ago or something yeah did it already a couple years ago maybe a year yeah um but you know it's it's um 
it's there's just there's just this when we talk about essence of a person um it's really it's it's a beingness right and sometimes we and we can make the choice to transform our beingness we can we can literally practice to transform our essence the work and work ethic is everything Everybody. and I'm walking around in hills. I'm going to put a blindfold on. I'm going to go and, and hire somebody that can train me through this, go through that experience. Yeah. Jennifer, yeah. Jennifer, Jennifer Lewis, Jennifer Lewis taught me how to walk in heels. And um, oh my God. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, please. And she's like, come over. And I mean, it was bad. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember the first well, time I was put four on heels. Oh yeah. And with the wig, I'm like seven feet tall. Um, yeah. Lou and I are the exact same height. And I remember the, one of the first the time. cameraman on your show, because RuPaul's like six, seven, yeah, right? We're both, no, we're both six, four, but, uh, you know, but in heels and the hair, it's seven feet easily. Um, and I was in the, you know, um, hallway at the, at, when, at the soundstage, walking back and forth in these heels, and Ru comes out. And uh, Ru's like, no, and it became drag race all of a sudden. No, you know, throw that butt around. And I was like, okay, you know, and do this. And I got a little better, and I'll never forget Rugo's. Um, um, after I started walking well, he turns around and goes, "This house is clean," and turned it all <laughs> away. Yeah, but um, it took I'll me a while. Um, which all came down to my entrance in that season finale, walking out on that red dress out on that stage. I completely thank Jennifer Lewis for helping me do that. So good, you looked so beautiful, and that voice and the way you play. The way you play with your voice, you play, you play with the energy of the audience. Um, yeah, that's another, a lot of hard work. They, you know, they wanted me to do the song Unspeakable Joy, then came up with the idea to do it with Unspeakable Joy, with Joy to the World. And I played the piano, but um, I called John Fluker, um, Gladys Knight, musical director, one of them. And he, we worked together for days and hours on that arrangement to get it just the right way. Um, and uh, it was a lot of work and a lot of fun, but it might look simple that I played, sat down and played and sang it, but there were hours and hours of work to nail that, you know, yeah, nail that arrangement down. And that takes us right back to the idea of cutting corners. There are no corners to cut. There and, aren't. You know, uh, I, I did, um, I've never felt more masculine than when I'm in a dress. And I, I did, I played Hedwig in San Francisco and that was, that's a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. Luckily, lot of work. luckily, it was a conceptual show. Um, in in the, the full show, um, I'm the main Hedwig, but I had these amazing backup Hedwigs. So um, this one black girl with a big white uh, afro was this uh, version. All the different personalities of, of Hedwig, but the through line was me, and and that's a tough show. And they wanted me to be in heels, like. Amazing. And I tried it, mm -mm, not dancing around all of the stage doing flips and heels. I, I just don't want to do that. But, um, but I do have a pair of uh, big ass boots uh, that I, I just recorded a, a song on my Instagram from Bent when I did Bent Mark Taper. And, you know, it's, it's every single man on the planet. I don't care who you are, go and put on a dress. <laughs> You get in touch with your feminine. It's one of the most powerful parts of you and who you are. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. Um, when um we first began in production meetings, um, I 
You know, I thought Lewis was going to be a bit of a joke. Is this blind? It, Lewis does his own hair. And I thought that, you know, it was going to be like wonky. And um, uh, Rue was like, no, you, you know, you're going to be absolutely beautiful. And I'm like, you know, I, I say I'm a handsome woman, but um, Rue's hair and makeup people did my hair and makeup. And um, yeah, he was that like six hours. Three hours. Um, Rue takes a little more, but Rue likes to take his time. Uh -huh. doing it, you know, um, yeah, there, were, there was a, one time I had a 3 a.m. makeup call. Um, but uh, yeah, which was great. So I just had to sit there and um, I always looked pretty good by the end, putting on the hair and the, you know, even the wigs were, William Foreman who does the wigs, it does Rue's wigs, you know. Um, so he's an artist. Um, so it was yeah. always fun, even though it's your own canvas. Yeah, own he canvas. likes animation. That's why the thick waves and it looks almost like animation to Ruse Wig sometimes. So good. What is a role? And I'm not talking about a specific show. I'm not talking about a specific film or or, or a play or musical. Um, you can offer those. But what is a the essence of a role that you really really want to play? What is a type of role that you haven't played or you really want to play again? Um, I think, well, I will say for animation, I would love to play uh, a, a villain, another villain. Uh, I haven't done that for a while. People, you know, I get hired to be funny and, you know, and I love being funny. I, so to tell you the truth, I love every role I get. Mm -hmm. um, but that would be fun to do another villain. And I think in the television and film world, listen, um, yeah, any role. Uh, I, I will say, you know, I, I'm, take a break from the drag queen roles i will say yeah. that after lewis um of course some calls came in and i'm like mm, you know i'm no uh, and you know, of course one reason is by you know ruse ruse people did my hair and makeup i mean yeah. like who's gonna do it if you know mm -hmm. i could be busted and like why do that so i honor that time as my drag queen but mm, no rush to revisit that yeah. and the calls came yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, you were spectacular. Okay. Um, I had some yeah. offers to perform at some clubs. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, they thought I was like, I, I play a drag queen. I'm not a, uh, it's not, I don't do it for a living, but thank you. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> that's a hard job. I mean, it's, it's like stand up, you know, it's, it's, you're there to, to, to entertain specifically. That's what, you know, being a stand up comedian is one of the toughest jobs to me imaginable because yeah. you're coming with a specific intent <laughs> you know i've yeah. got a script to hide behind or to live in i've got a blueprint um you know I, I my job is to bring the humanity inside the blueprint of the story but to stand up there and communicate with an audience whew, uh, and with the intention of making them laugh and then put on the hair and then put on the you know one of the, you know one of the best parts of my research is that i saw a lot of drag performances um live and uh like i was at hamburger mary's every tuesday night yeah. and um this was before the show was announced they were like who's the guy who's like literally watching really intently <laughs> like, yeah. you know is he a freak because he's yeah. he's just looking at my shoes you know you know talking about work and and that kind of research when i was prepping to do hedwig i went to weho and i watched drag show after drag show after drag show and then I went to that karaoke bar down there and I practiced my songs with the audience. You know, that kind of prep, that kind of work, I created my, my, my whole wardrobe. Um, 
and 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 went through the whole i didn't get a, a sex change that got botched that i would not do but you know it's it's like it's it's uh the 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 experience of going through and the journey of putting yourself literally in the shoes of that character transplant yeah. that over into a real world and the the gift that artists give, gives are is empathy um and i encourage everybody to to kind of take that and 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 ask yourself what would it be like to walk in these stilettos what would it be yeah. like to 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 feel the, the 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 holes in my shoes as a homeless person would or whatever yeah. uh, and let go of judgment there's a uh, shift in our society happening do you believe that yes very much so there's um, a, there's you know it's, it's always shifting i think it's shifting a little for the better right now i think you know um um but yes there is a shift and there's shift in this industry um and there's a certain accountability that's beginning to happen um and um a certain uh, um, understanding and respect i think people are trying to to uh incorporate um and um you know hope it keeps going it's a slow road but um i will say i'm not asked to be uh urban or ethnic anymore um but uh i think uh, you know sometimes people are asked to be could you make it a little more sassy you know that's the next word to get rid of <laughs> yeah and it may not even be something that you say i mean you know blair taylor is one of my favorite people in the world yeah I love you can blair. say anything to anybody and get away with it you know, yes. you know what I mean? Like his essence is generous and is sincere and there's this comedic flair. If, if I said half the stuff that he says, I'd be dead by now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's because of your essence. It's because of who you're being when you're communicating that is that, 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 that really, uh, that really is important. And then how we receive things. I think that whole idea of being offended um, is, is, is silly to me. Like, I, I think I can either spend all this time being offended or I can make committed action to, to, to shift and change what is um, and be responsible yeah. for my faith. In the voiceover world, I, you know, tell people that, you know, it takes two things to work. Um, uh, be cool, be good, well, be, uh, be cool, be cool to work with and um, follow direction and, uh, those two things can keep you working in uh, animation world and voiceover yeah. world. I will say this about um, hard work and homework and hard work. Um, though it seems like a chore, it's the homework and hard work and research that you do before that makes life really easier and your job easier when the moment comes. Mm. Um, you know, if I have to go sing somewhere, gosh, I hate to do a really kind of official warm up that takes about an hour. But if I do that, when I go to open my mouth to sing, it's a lot of fun and sounds can sound much better as opposed to me in my car for three minutes going, oh, oh, oh. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and, then, and then I'll audition and wonder like, why do I sound like crap? You have to love that part more than you do, in my opinion, in, in many ways, and not necessarily there's a comparison, but you have to love that as much as the being on set. I mean, set is my heaven, you know? Um, yeah. uh, and, and, and the work is, and the more you put into the work, the easier it becomes to just, as it becomes second nature, 
And then ultimately you just know it's part like practice and you know what to do. You walk onto set and let go. Uh, it's so great. So yes, and even in auditioning, you know, to go in and nail an audition, you know, there's one cast director I'm not gonna say who's, you know, <laughs> who always says, you know, uh, you're such a wonderful actor, always says that at the end of my auditions. And it's such a touchdown never cast me, <laughs> you know, but you know. You know what's so great about that though? And and I have a few of those out there too. And and I just, I, I keep, I, I would keep getting called back. I haven't, ha I've had like two auditions in this year, but like I keep, I keep calling me back and wanting to find a place for me, you know, I'm looking to, 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 to put me in that place. So at the end of the day, that's one, a huge compliment and they will, you know? Mm -hmm. I remember being on set of a movie, um, literally in the middle of set and my agent called me and said, this particular show uh, finally wants to hire you. They wanna give you this role. You just gotta come in to, to meet with uh, whatever today. You just gotta come in today and meet with them. And after probably a, over nine years of auditioning for this show and I couldn't get there. And some things happened after that. The, the, there was some Hollywood drama with the casting director and stuff like that. So I ended up just kind of never going back to that show. Um, but that, that was it. It was like after nine years, a really good series, regular uh, three, you know, um, three or four part of, of that season role. And I couldn't, because I was literally on set, they needed me the next day or two, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so I'm going to throw out a couple of words, um, mm -hmm. and I just want you to respond with whatever comes out, okay? Uh, mother. Okay. Um, uh, adore. <laughs> Love that. Um, family. Huge. Extended. Yeah. Uh, lovers. Uh, where? <laughs> No, um, yes, question mark. <laughs> Joy. Um, every day. Um, my experience of you is joy, high energy, love, generosity, abundance, uh, melt, because your voice is just is so good. Um, and I, 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 I love your energy. I love what you bring to the stage, but I, I know that you bring that to every, when you walk into the grocery store. So uh thank you for your contribution to the world um and then now i want to ask you how do you want to be seen oh um well uh i you know i hope i'm seen as um you know someone who tried to do his best as a human being on this planet with other human beings mm -hmm. and um that i tried to do great work um, no matter what kind of work I was doing and, um, and that I've made some kind of impact on someone, some kind of way, you know, my, my acting teacher, uh, uh, my coach, Jonathan Slavin, who's amazing. He, uh, when I was first starting to work on, on Aiden the Queen, um, I always remember this. He said, this is really going to have a huge impact to some 11 year old kid in Louisiana, you know? who you're never gonna know. And uh, wow, does that make things really important and the stakes very, very high. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, trying to do my best work all the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
and honestly, when I watched the show, I said the same thing. And, and when we speak it, when we know it and we speak it, and when we do work, um, I was directing one of my big Hollywood uh, lessons uh, that I won't go into full detail on. Um, there, was, there was a moment where I really was developing the script um, from a play. And there was a moment where I, I had to ask myself, who am I doing this for? And I needed to isolate it. I needed, because that vision was going to get me through all the obstacles of that kid in middle America somewhere that's going to see this and I'm doing it for him, right? I pictured him, I knew what he looked like. I knew, you know, when he met me, like he would hug me, you know, and say, thank you, um, you know, and and, and that's why I'm doing this. This is one of those reasons why I'm doing this. I don't want to uh, phone in any job. I don't want to phone in my life. I don't want to phone in any relationship. I don't want to phone in how I walk through this world. And to be present, you know, it takes some effort. But uh, yeah. Um, my experience of you is all of that and joy. And I'm so grateful that we we get to connect. Um, I, I I would like to to make it not not just a this thing and 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 connect with you further. So uh, yeah. we have a big yard. Hopefully, where are you? We live in Glendale. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Toluca Lake. Oh, then you're, the yeah, before. right there. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. We'll play the piano and we'll sing in the yard and. Our neighbor is a 12 year old kid who sings opera at 11 o'clock at night. It's amazing. He's got this voice. Sometimes he does Disney songs. Oh my God, he'd freak out if you can. <laughs> Thank you so much. I can't wait for this to be to be out and uh, have so much gratitude. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. All right. Um, all right, thank you. Bye, Michael. Bye. Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. Queen of the world, I tell you what I do. I throw away the cars and bars and wars and make sweet love to you. I make sweet love to you. Unspeakable joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. Unspeakable joy. Unspeakable joy to you